48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Chief Executive hopeful John Lee spends a day campaigning to try and get his results-oriented governance platform across to potential backers. Chief Executive Carrie Lamb says all students and teachers will have to take rapid COVID tests every day when classes resume after Easter. And health officials report another considerable drop in COVID infections to about 1,400. Chief Executive hopeful John Lee has stepped up his campaign for Hong Kong's top job by saying his focus on results-oriented governance is aimed at giving the public a sense of having benefited. In a packed day of campaigning, he made 10 stops to garner support. His last meeting was with the Hung Yi Cook. Speaking afterwards, Mr Lee said he listened to and responded positively to the rural body's concerns over the Northern Metropolis Development Plan, proposed by incumbent Carrie Lam. The former Chief Secretary was asked if he has any plans to meet the public. My first priority now is to ensure that I am sufficiently prepared to register my candidacy uh, with the uh, electoral office. That is what I'm doing now. And there are so many election committee members that I have to try to get across my idea of governance. My second priority is to get an opinion so that I can write up my platform so that people understand the direction of my governance. The Hungi Cooks chair, Kenneth Lau, said Mr Lee promised to speed up the process of building the northern metropolis. On the development in the north district, He's ensured that will happen very quick. He's mentioned that the good ideas that existing government proposed, he's guaranteed he will ensure that it will continue happening in the next term if he succeeds. Yeah. We actually raised a few questions on the future district board. Would there be any changes? And that might not be a priority. Once he's in the post, he will decide what to do. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says school children will return to school in phases as planned after the Easter holidays, but all students and teaching staff must take a rapid COVID test every day before starting classes. Mrs Lam said the government will hand out 10 million rapid test kits to schools for this purpose. She also urged parents to get their children inoculated, saying unvaccinated school children may be barred from joining music and sports activities. In order to reduce infection risks in schools, uh, once students are going to go back to uh, school learning, initially for a period we would require all the staff, the uh, teachers and the students to take daily uh, rapid antigen tests and they could only go into the school if the test is a negative one. International schools will resume face-to-face teaching on April the 19th, along with primary schools. Local secondary school students will return to their classrooms on May the 3rd. The chairman of the Direct Subsidy Scheme Schools Council, Dion Chen, urged the government to review the daily testing arrangement after a few weeks to ensure it doesn't impose a huge financial burden on parents. At the beginning of the school resumption, doing that it can really create a very clean environment for everybody in the school. But I urge the government to also review this arrangement, and maybe probably about two to three weeks after the resumption. So at least it will not cause too much financial burden to parents of the students. Health officials have reported about 1,400 new COVID infections, around 500 fewer than yesterday. About half were confirmed by PCR tests and the rest from RAT tests. Another 57 patients who had COVID have died. Meanwhile, when asked whether or not the hospital authority will buy the new anti-COVID drug Evusheld, 
Developed by AstraZeneca, a chief manager of the authority, Larry Lee, said they will continue to monitor the situation and consult the experts. In overseas, so far, they would apply it in patients with weak immunity and patients who are not eligible for vaccination. Therefore, its application would be determined on the basis of the development of the pandemic and clinical evidence. And we also consult experts first before applying it. But let me remind the public, in terms of prevention, vaccination is the most effective means. Preventive medicine cannot replace vaccination. To the weather forecast, becoming cloudy overnight. The minimum temperature will be about 23 degrees tomorrow morning, but it'll be hot with sunny periods later on. A top temperature of about 30 degrees and winds will be light. The outlook visibility rather lower with a few showers on Wednesday. Currently, the observatory 25 degrees Celsius, humidity 76%. You're listening to RTHK. The time's exactly five minutes past 11. Private doctors can now request free supplies of the two antiviral COVID pills the government has purchased via an existing online platform. A spokesman said private practitioners can, from this evening, apply for no more than 10 standard courses of treatments for either Paxlovid or Molnupiravir. To do so, they need to register with the electronic health record sharing system so the health authorities can keep track of their prescriptions. They can apply for no more than 10 standard courses of treatment for either. Customs officers have seized 47,000 tablets of a suspected oral COVID drug that was illegally imported, along with tens of thousands of other suspected controlled medicines for curing heart disease and cancer. The department said the drugs, worth about $3 million, were found in parcels at the airport and in a commercial building in Xiangshui. Officers arrested a 55-year-old man who was later released on bail. The government has locked down two buildings in Kwai Chung and Tin Soi Wai after finding coronavirus traces in sewage samples. The lockdowns of Hei Lai House at the Wa Lai Estate and Shui Fung House at the Tin Soi Estate are expected to finish at noon tomorrow. Meanwhile, health officials found 25 preliminary positive COVID cases after locking down a housing block in Aplei Chow. Five men have been fined $1,000 each for a video stunt in which they played mahjong on an MTR train. They were found guilty of committing nuisance in a public place. Here's Kelly Yu. An online video showing a group of people playing mahjong on an MTR train heading to Tioking Lang went viral earlier. And now, Kowloon City Court has fined five men for their involvement. The court heard that police detectives arrested the five, aged between 20 and 27, in November last year, about a month after the video surfaced. Four of the defendants were also found guilty of using concessionary tickets that they were not entitled to, and the fifth was also convicted of carrying bulky baggage exceeding the permitted limit. Turning overseas, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has said Russia's siege of Mariupol has destroyed the city and is likely to have killed tens of thousands of people. Addressing Parliament in South Korea, Mr Zelensky said conditions in the area were desperate as Russia concentrated its forces there ready for a new offensive. He urged foreign powers to send new weapons. Providing the necessary weapons to Ukraine means not only saving the lives of our people, not only giving us the opportunity to free our cities, in particular our long-suffering Mariupol, but also saving other states and other regions from further deployment of Russian aggression. 
Austria's Chancellor Karl Nehammer has become the first leader of a European Union country to meet President Putin since Russia attacked Ukraine. Chancellor Nehammer is holding talks with the Russian president at his residence outside Moscow after announcing his planned visit during a trip to Ukraine on Saturday. He spoke of trying to secure Russian guarantees to help more peace talks move peace talks forward. He called for a ceasefire, humanitarian corridors and a full investigation of allegations of war crimes. The German media company which owns the newspaper Die Welt has hired the Russian distant journalist who held a placard saying no to war behind the presenter during Russia's main evening television news. Marina Ovsyanikova left her job as Neta at Channel 1 after the protest last month. She was detained and fined. Pakistan's parliament has chosen Shehbaz Sharif as the new prime minister. Mr Sharif was voted in at a turbulent session in Islamabad. He won with 174 votes after opposition MPs staged a walkout and announced they were resigning en masse. The election of the new prime minister was held after Imran Khan was ousted in a no-confidence vote at the weekend. Mr Khan says he was the victim of a US-led conspiracy to oust him. The BBC's Sukunda Kamani has more. We now have a new Prime Minister here in Pakistan, Shabazz Sharif, being elected by Parliament after Imran Khan was ousted from office over the weekend. Shabazz Sharif is a well-known political figure here. He served as Chief Minister of Punjab, the most populous province in Pakistan under the previous government before Imran Khan came into power. The French President Emmanuel Macron is touring northern France as he kicks off his campaign for re-election in this month's second round runoff. He has 12 days to convince voters he can defeat the far-right leader Marine Le Pen. As the BBC's Hugh Schofield reports from Paris, Mr Macron is changing his strategy. The fight off, the far-right challenge, the president is to immerse himself comprehensively in the hunt for votes. And this morning he set the pattern with a walkabout in the northern town of Denain, one of the poorest in France, whose people voted overwhelmingly yesterday either for Marine Le Pen or for the far left. Marine Le Pen, meanwhile, is travelling to meet farmers east of Paris. Both leaders need to cast their appeal wider in order to attract voters for other candidates in round one. Above all, that means reaching out to people who identify with the political left, whose candidates have all been eliminated. A court in London has found a 26-year-old follower of the Islamic State militant group guilty of the murder of a British MP, Sir David Amos. During the trial, Ali Harbi Ali claimed his victim deserved to die for having supported military action in Syria. The BBC's Matt Graveling is outside the court. Sir David Amos was 69 years old. He was married with five children and he was the target of Ali Harbi Ali who'd already scouted out a few other MPs really to send a message that he was against the bombing of ISIS in Syria. A court heard today how... Ali went into the constituency, he sat down with Sir David Amos to talk a little bit about constituency matters before apologising to the MP and then pulling out a knife and stabbing him 21 times. He wanted to be shot by police, the court were told, but when unarmed officers arrived, he dropped his knife and he was arrested. Students have been demonstrating across Indonesia following suggestions that the President Joko Widodo wants to extend his stay in office. The police fired tear gas and water cannon on protesters in the capital. The BBC's Rebecca Henschke reports. Rumours have been circulating for weeks that President Joko Widodo is trying to stay in power beyond his legal limit. 
They were started by one of his closest aides, who said the constitution could be changed, arguing the administration needed more time to finish projects delayed by the pandemic, particularly the building of a new capital on the island of Borneo. President Joko Widodo on Sunday insisted he will not run again when his second term ends in 2024. But students who took to the streets are demanding the president do more to end the speculation. North Korea has been marking the 10th anniversary of Kim Jong-un's official rise to power. The BBC's Michael Bristow reports. Kim Jong-un, only 28 when he became the head of the ruling Workers' Party 10 years ago, has been graced with a new portrait for the anniversary. There's also an exhibition and perhaps later this week a military parade. One senior North Korean politician described him as a gifted thinker, outstanding statesman and peerless commander. For all the celebrations, North Korea has become poorer since Mr Kim took over and his country is just as isolated as it ever was. But Mr Kim's pursuit of advanced weapons means the outside world will never ignore him. Thousands of mourners have flooded the streets of the occupied West Bank city of Jenin for the funerals of four Palestinians killed by Israeli forces yesterday. Tensions remain high in the area. Israeli forces arrested 20 people overnight and are carrying out a third day of security operations there. The Prime Minister Naftali Bennett says Israel is now on the offensive following the deaths of 14 people in attacks over the last three weeks. At least 135 people are now known to have been killed by gunmen in Nigeria's Plateau State. The gunmen attacked several remote villages on motorbikes yesterday, shooting people, stealing livestock and burning homes. Residents are complaining that the security forces took nearly 24 hours to arrive following the attacks. The BBC's Ishak Khalid has more details. There are still many missing, some of them in the bush, and also the area has been deserted. Uh, many people have fled the, the villages where these attacks happened. And this is the latest in a series of attacks across northern Nigeria. But that particular area has not seen such kind of violence. Residents there told me that this is the worst ever violence they have seen. And in finance news, shares here and elsewhere in China have posted their biggest drops in nearly a month, hit by COVID-19 curbs and worries over an inversion in the 10-year spread between domestic and US bond yields and inflation. The Hang Seng Index fell 663 points, or 3%, to 21,208. The blue-chip CSI 300 Index ended just over 3% down, while the Shanghai Composite Index shed 2.6%. And a reminder of our top stories tonight, Chief Executive hopeful John Lee spends the day campaigning to try and get his results-oriented governance platform across to potential backers. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says all students and teachers will have to take rapid COVID tests every day when classes resume after Easter. And health officials report another considerable drop in COVID infections to about 1,400. The news from RTHK.
Well, the uh, the Dixie Cups, a track called Chapel of Love, I guess, with uh, today's change in music and wokeism and that, I suppose they'd just be called the Cups now, I reckon. Into our second hour this Monday night, Peter King with you with our marvellous musical magical mystery tour and a song now from the Foundations. Why do you I do what needs you so. Yeah. 